Business Women Rock, episode 61. Ladies, it's time to rock. Welcome to the Business Women Rock podcast, where we get down and dirty with the world's most incredible businesswomen. Inspire your journey by listening to theirs. And now, here's your host, Katie Kremitzos. What's going on, ladies? Welcome to the Business Women Rock podcast. I'm so stoked because today kicks off our Women in Podcasting series. Getting things rocking for us today is Esther Kish, who's the co-founder of Born to Influence. Born to Influence is a phenomenal podcast that focuses on great marketing, marketing strategies, marketing techniques, and she and her co-host, Meta Mueller, actually dig into the minds of really great influential people who have really great marketing concepts to share. She's interviewed people like Gary Vaynerchuk, John Lee Dumas, and Jarek Robbins. In this interview today, she really goes into a little bit about her background and why she's so passionate about marketing, why she started her podcast, and a lot of cool little details and nuggets that she gives about how she's got her podcast out there, how she's grown it, and what her big vision is for Born to Influence. Esther is a super smart lady, and you're going to totally love what she's got to say. So let's get going. Esther, thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you here because I know your voice through your podcast. (laughs) And now I get to be part of the equation of having a conversation with you. So this is very exciting. Cool. (laughs) So I want to spend this conversation today really getting down and dirty with your podcast, Born to Influence. And, um, and what I want to do to set the stage is really have a better understanding for everyone um, who, so we can know kind of what you came to podcasting with and why you did it. So can you give us a little bit of your background? Like what kind of, what kind of business were you doing beforehand? Like how did you really get involved in business in the first place? Sure. I mean, I think I had a very rocky, windy road (laughs) all the way up to here, tried all kinds of things. But essentially, I've been doing marketing for over a decade now. And I've been working as a marketing consultant and even had a short corporate stint at the largest jewelry company in the country as their marketing director. But what I really enjoyed about marketing in general and about consulting is connecting with people who are like-minded and who are in the cutting edge of finding new technologies and finding new ways of reaching your customers. So, you know, doing a show where you really get to talk to New York Times bestselling authors and industry transformers is something that is fun for me. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, how how long were you working for uh, for the corporate company? Oh, just a few months. (laughs) I love it. So, um, you know, because marketing can mean so much, um, tell us a little bit about what you did as a marketer, what kind of consultant you were to help people with marketing and what your focus was really like, what were the realities of how you helped people with their marketing? Sure. So it's mostly um, what I've been doing and what I am still doing is helping people with their marketing strategies and lead generation and getting more clients. And that's something that I've I've been doing for over a decade, but um, it's 
it's kind of a tricky thing to say that, well, it's a one size fits all kind of a template. I know that some business coaches are working along a specific outline of you have to do this kind of program. I work with people in an individual basis, really looking at where they are at right now, where they're looking to go, what's the gap in between and how do we get there the shortest way possible. And so we evaluate what are the things that are working for them? What are the things that are better if we drop them completely or just, you know, cut your losses there? And then just really focus on the stuff that actually generates an ROI for you. Are there certain types of, of people that you're working with, certain industries that, that you work really well with? Small businesses. So if you are doing at least $100,000 a year or more, below the seven-figure mark, though, typically. Got it. So your strategies are really built out on on doing uh, strategic and effective lead generation so they can really grow their companies to the next stage of where they want to go. Correct. Yes. And it's really for not for the complete startups, but for people who have a little bit of an experience. So there is a less of a learning curve and we can go right into the nitty gritty immediately, typically. So in your experience as a kind of a, a business consultant who's really helping deal with marketing and marketing strategies, what have been some of the biggest lessons that you have learned along the way? Really tracking your results and understanding that if something doesn't work, just consider it a test, but then be willing to adjust your strategy immediately. Because even with the show, we've just tried so many different things and then it's okay to let go if something doesn't work. It's no point in pursuing it. Or, you know, they're, like to give you an example, a lot of people are telling that you have to have social proof. You have to have so much Facebook followers for, or Facebook likes, for example, on your business page. Now, if that doesn't convert for you, for leads, for certain businesses, it works. But for example, for our podcast, we found that that didn't really work in terms of uh, translating that into downloads. So for me, it's no point in advertising just to get likes to the page if it's not increasing our audience in actual listenership. So understanding that what your strategic goals are and not worrying about what everybody else says that you should be doing, because that may work well for their business, but it's not necessarily applicable to yours. So let's go down that path. Why did you start the podcast in the first place? And when did you start? We started working on it about a year ago, so 2013, May, end of May, June, when we actually started gathering all the information and booking the first interviews, and we launched on December 4th, 2013. So at the time of this recording, it's been about six months, seven months now. And what, what was your purpose behind starting it? I mean, obviously, you, you know, we're, we're kind of in the thick of things for you know, 10 years dealing with marketing and helping companies strategize. What was, what was the purpose of really leveraging podcasting as a platform? I'm really enjoying working with influencers and connecting with people who know their stuff, but then also giving it and paying it forward to small businesses that don't necessarily have access to that kind of knowledge. And this is a very good way to be able to bring that knowledge and make the connection to, to help for example, if I interview, let's say, Gary Vaynerchuk, I, we interviewed him back in last fall, and he was launching his book, Jab, 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 Right Hook, which became a New York Times bestseller since then. And of course, he was promoting it. So he was on a lot of radio shows and a lot of TV shows and all that, and a lot of podcasts as well. Now, I'm helping him promote, but at the same time, my audience is learning so much from his vast knowledge. It's incredible. So that really makes me happy. So when you started out, what did, did you start with an audience ready to listen or did you kind of need to start building up your audience from, from the very start? 
Well, we did have both my co-host and I had a little bit of an online presence, so it, it wasn't huge by any means, but we had a little bit of a list, both of us. And then for the show itself, we started from scratch and that, that we created a whole new email list. And of course, we invited our own list to it once we launched, but it was a brand new Facebook page, brand new Twitter account, and all that stuff was basically from scratch. And what have been some of the best kind of strategies that you guys have had to build your audience, meaning to to be able to get more and more people to listen? Uh, Twitter helps a lot. I'm finding that in the last three or four months, it, it's really, really helpful. But in the beginning, we were very much relying on um, spreading the word through the audience of our guests. So we had a lot of big name guests. And then we always asked them when their interview came out that I would really appreciate if you could also show it to your list or to give it out to your social media following because they have a subset of our audience as well. Yeah, that's good. And so all of a sudden, you know, the people in their audience who didn't necessarily know about your podcast now know about it and they can follow exactly. with, with your podcast. Got it. Well, that's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> And what, you know, for those for those of us out there who might be listening who, you know, get this idea and we keep hearing, okay, yeah, Twitter is a really good strategy. What are, like, what are you really doing on Twitter? Is it just, um, you know, is it just kind of tweeting stuff out that is important to you? Is it sharing stuff from your guests? I mean, what, what exactly are you doing that's really allowing people to come in and, and listen? Well, I make it very much as if I was writing copy for a sales letter or for any kind of an informational thing. So you know how you take your bullet points from your show notes page that explains what the specific ep episode is about. So for example, learn how to grow your email list, you know, within three months to X number of you know, people on your list, for example. Now that might be composed into a tweet that how to you grow your email list by 10,000 people within so many months or so many weeks. And so that how to kind of tweet or something like what to avoid or the way you phrase it, like any copywriting rules, you know, just to make it like a headline, think of it like a headline and then make it really, really short, way less than 140 characters because you also have to have room for your link and for your hashtags. But that really worked for us. So what I do is I take each episode, I look at the bullet points of what actually was discussed in that episode, and I take four bullet points from there and turn it into a, like a headline. And that becomes a tweet along with the link to that specific episode and a few hashtags that are relevant to it. So it could be something like social media marketing, email marketing, uh, networking, leads, business, any of those things that would fit that specific episode. Now, you know, you kind of like touched on this before about the fact that uh, this idea of sort of building out likes for your Facebook, for example, mm -hmm. and this idea of it actually converting to downloads. So you guys sort of were building your Facebook page, realizing that even though people were liking, that didn't necessarily mean that they were downloading it. What, what have you done kind of in the social media space and maybe Facebook specifically to actually make those numbers convert? So that's the thing that we were running in the beginning, we were running ads to the fans of the person that was interviewed. So for example, with Gary Vaynerchuk, we would do this, we are doing all of our interviews on video, we are using Google Hangouts. And so even though we have only released the audio version so far on iTunes for each of the interviews, in the beginning, we would make these little trailers, one to two minute little videos. And so for example, when Gary V's um, interview came out, we just made, had a little one minute uh, trailer and then we advertised that specific video to the fans of his fan page. Now what happened was a lot of people watched that little video, even though the link was there, 
it wasn't converting as much as we would have liked to actual downloads to his episode. And what I found is that a lot of people don't actually still know what podcasting is. Mm -hmm. So this worked really well. This strategy worked well for people who have shows. And, you know, when, when the Facebook fan page that we were targeting was a podcast page, like, for example, Entrepreneur on Fire, John Domus is uh, our mutual friend's um, fan page. That's a different story because his fans already love podcasting and they, they have no problem going over and they understand what it is to go over to iTunes and download an episode. Somebody who has never heard of podcasting, they'll just watch that video and, and leave it at that. Got it. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense because... Um, yeah, somebody who isn't podcasting is going to click on it and they're going to be like confused. Like, what is this? I don't know what I'm listening to. What do you mean I have to download an app to listen to this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it depends also on whether they're looking at it on a desktop or laptop or on a mobile device. Because if you're looking at it, for example, on your iPhone, it will automatically open it on, an, on the podcast app. And if you've never even tried that, you just kind of saw the purple thing there. It's like, what? what? <laughs> Where do I have to click? <laughs> And, and with Twitter, it really works well because, you know, you just simply click on the link and it starts to autoplay. Mm, got so, it. So there is no mystery. <laughs> so um, so in, so about six months you've been doing this as the, uh, during the time of, uh, you know, the release of this particular episode. Um, you know, what have your numbers looked like? Like what kind of growth have you had over these past six months? So from scratch, from the day that we launched to today, we had, let me see, I think we had over 130,000 downloads total over wow. the last seven months. Now it's a daily show, of course. So we are going Monday to Saturday. And I'm just looking at our lips and stats here. Yeah, 131,866. That's great. <laughs> so, wow. Those are, those are very, very good numbers. Yeah, and when I'm looking at it, you know, in the very beginning, in the first eight weeks, we were in New and Noteworthy on iTunes, so I could see those spikes there that we would get a thousand downloads, for example, a day, and then it kind of plateaued and, and became around four to five hundred in the next couple of months, and then when I started really adding Twitter to it, it came back, so now it's consistently around a thousand a day, and sometimes even more. How have you evolved as a host of this show and as, you know, the founder of this, uh, the co-founder of this podcast? How have you evolved over um, these past six months? Oh, my goodness. That's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to, I guess, like, really judge it by just going back and trying to be very objective to what we did in the beginning and what we are doing now. But, you know, we, we dragged our feet so much because we wanted to make it perfect in the beginning. So I'm even embarrassed to say how many episodes we have pre-recorded since then, <laughs> you know, before we launched. And so, um, so it, it's kind of hard to judge in that, that some of the episodes that were released in the very beginning may have been recorded later in the process. Mm. So our, some of our first interviews were not as great and, and sometimes the audio quality wasn't there. So actually some of them got scrapped. But that was, those were like tests and trials. And what I noticed is that it's easier for me now to make a connection with the person immediately, even if we have never talked before. So I always invite people whose work I respect and I look up to them. And of course, I have an idea of who they are. But sometimes people come to us to be interviewed because somebody else referred them. And then I ha try to have a little conversation ahead of time on Skype, but it's not always possible. And so if that's not the case, then I have to be able to find the rapport so fast before the interview, just in that little couple of minutes to really connect with that person so that we can have an entertaining show. Because that's the other thing, that you want to make it fun and light enough, still give all the very valuable golden nuggets so that people can go and, and employ all those strategies. But at the same time, it has to be something that is fun to listen to as well. Absolutely. 
What kind of strategies are you using to get kind of the big names on your show? You know, like I, I call on my list of like the, the big guns. Like do you have kind of like, <laughs> do you have this list of people like the, the big people that you want on your show because oh, maybe yes. they've meant something to you personally or, or you know, they, you know that they're just huge and they have this huge name. Like who are some of those, those people that you want? Who, who are some of your big guns and what strategies have you used to be successful in getting some of those folks? Well, we started with making a huge dream list of people that we actually wanted to have on the show. So uh, people like Jay Bear, for example, who we did have and Gary Vaynerchuk and um, John Benson, the inventor of the video sales letter formula, the only video sales letter. So people like that. And we started to map it out because I knew that I don't know them personally, but I certainly know someone who knows them. Or there is a second or third degree connection. You know how they say that there is a six degrees of separation? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> turns out that the marketing world is so incestuous. <laughs> it's like two it's, degrees. It's really close. Exactly. <laughs> so, so we started looking at it in first in a spreadsheet. And I was like, okay, well, it's just getting too complicated and too many notes in it. So, but you, after some time that you do it, you could do a mind map or whatever, just to get a visual of what it looks like. How close am I to those people? And then we started really interviewing just a few people in the very beginning that we already knew to have something. But because we took six months between the first interview recorded and the actual launch, we had to reach out to a lot of these big names without having being able to show them anything, not even a website, not mm-hmm. even a test interview, because it, it hasn't aired yet, so I'm not going to show it to them, even if I had recorded. Right. So what we did, <laughs> so, so I created a little template of um, of how do you reach out with a cold email? I call this my cold email technique because it really, really works. It's like a magical thing. It's you you research a person that you want to talk to and just reach out to them saying that hey, um, thank you so much for and then be specific of something that they've done. Maybe have read a blog post that really made a difference for you, or you listen to an interview with them on some show or whatever it may be. But be very specific of why and how they impacted you, and and really use the word because, and then say the specific reason why it was helpful for you. That's and then, great. Yeah, and then look at also what is it that they're up to. If they're already promoting their upcoming new book or their event, some people have you know conferences or things that really they are looking to launch in the next few months, and certainly not tomorrow. You have to plan a little bit ahead of time. Then then say that I would like to help you with promoting your upcoming book, and then give the book title, and I would like to interview you on this show, and then say a little bit about the show, and then give bullet points of. Who are some of the guests that you had in the past? Now, before we launch, of course, then we just have to say that we have already interviewed or we have confirmed and booked for the next couple of weeks, so and so, uh, you know, and then gave the bullet points of that. And for example, in the, one of our very first guests was Alan Weiss, who is the uh, author of over 50 books. Many of them are New York Times bestselling books and, uh, you know, the million dollar coach, the million dollar consultant, all the million dollar franchise. He was kind of tricky to get. I have to say, we went back and forth with like eight or 10 emails. But sometimes if you do a little bit of research and find a report, even if you haven't had a chance to talk to them, you, you get that even through email. So mm-hmm. I knew his dog's name and, you know, we we're like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, his, his dog is called Bentley because sometimes he's on his video as the dog. And so I said, oh, come on, do it for Bentley. <laughs> That's <laughs> just, great. That's just very fun. smart. Yeah, just just uh, feel like, you know, nobody is more special than you just because they had different opportunities and, and that person may be, you know, 20, 30 years older than you. So, of course, they have more, quote unquote, achievements to their name. 
but that doesn't mean that that you should feel less than so if you can talk to a person as an equal then you're giving them in fact an opportunity to promote now if it's a good fit then of course then they'll be interested even if it's a small audience now before we launched i couldn't say that hey we have a thousand downloads a day or whatever the numbers are so i said that well we are expecting to launch in two months time and this is the number of people that we are looking to get the word out to initially and that was based on an estimate of how much we could spend on our advertising budget and how much we had on our own list with Meta, with my co-host and myself, and what was the combined list of the people who already offered ahead of time that they would promote to their social media following or to their lists. Very good. Those are very, very good, solid pieces of information to take away from. That's a great idea. Yeah, and we have a, lot, a little bit more detail about this too. If you want to, we, um, I'm going to look it up for you and send it to you via email later on because I can't remember the episode number, but we did a whole episode on exactly how to create this cold email that actually got those guests on our show. That's great. Absolutely. Yeah, send it on over to me and I can put that link in the show notes. That'd be great. Yeah. So uh, after all of this time, who've been like maybe one or two of your most favorite guests that you've had and how come? Well, one of my favorites has been definitely Jeff Moore, and he is the president of International Pacific and Wide Think Seafood, and it's a $35 million seafood company. And since then, we became friends. But again, it all started because I saw an interview with him on another podcast, and I reached out. And uh, he was, you know, he has just such a big heart, even though he's not in the quote-unquote marketing space. He's an amazing copywriter, and he is just so good at understanding what the other person wants that companies like Cisco are asking him for advice on how to talk to and communicate with their customers. And so it sounds like, well, it's a seafood business. What does that have to do with marketing? Well, you know, when you, you grow an eight-figure business, then certainly you know a thing or two about marketing. <laughs> so. I, I really enjoyed getting the perspectives from him from a very different industry than what I'm usually dealing with. And at the same time, to have that human connection and somebody who is really fun and enjoyable to talk to. And Jeff, particularly, just to give you the specific reasons of why I really enjoyed having him on the show, is that he has a five-question uh, list on the back of his business card that have nothing to do with seafood. But that's something that he always presents to his new uh, prospects and new customers and it's things like you know what are you using now and uh, what what are some of the other available options so they've been able to save over three and a half million dollars in food costs per year for their customers going through those questions wow. those are questions that are not just applicable to seafood it's really like, what are you using now it could be in any industry you know so so giving those types of specifics and understanding that that is useful regardless of what industry you're in to, to our listeners, that's something that really makes me happy to, to be able to bring that kind of knowledge to our audience. Now, I'm sure, just like that example, you have had guest after guest kind of giving incredible nuggets of wisdom for people for in their marketing. What has been one, I'm sure there's many of them, but what has been one that's really sung true for you and that you have gone and implemented and really seen results from? I, I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk just talking about how to talk in the 
what he calls native platform in that kind of native la- native language of the specific social media that you're using. So for example, if you were to use Tumblr, then you would do an animated GIF rather than a full video. So, or, or if it's Facebook, you're not going to have updates as frequently as if you were doing uh, Twitter because the Twitter stream just goes so fast that you can have it basically every few minutes and you will not annoy people. Whereas on Facebook, you can't do that. You'll, everybody will unfriend you. Yeah. <laughs> now, you have a partner in crime. You have a co-host. That's right. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the roles that you guys play, what you each bring to it, and how you like? what are the practicalities of how you actually run the podcast with, with a co-host? Yeah, so my co-host's name is Meta Miller, and when I first met her, she lived in Tanzania, in East Africa, and I'm in Los Angeles. So we had a 10-hour time difference. So always when we were talking, you know, first we just became friends. It was always 2 a.m. for somebody. (laughs) But we were able to manage, and we wanted to have a show together or some kind of a project together because we were calling each other basically every day to help with our own businesses and with marketing, consulting, and coaching. And we thought that, well, it would be really nice to have a project together, but we were very clear from the very beginning that who is doing what. So she is much better, for example, with technical things than I am. And I'm much better with reaching out to people who I don't know and getting them on the show. So we kind of divided our specific task of who is doing what so that there is no overlap. And then we we are using Trello and Google Drive or Google Docs for task management so that again that we are not repeating and we don't have to go back and forth with emails and how do you guys actually manage the podcast like are you guys both interviewing the guest or do you choose different guests that you each want to interview we have a lot of joint interviews and originally that was a the idea that we would be as much as possible present both of us at each interview but again sometimes with these time differences it's not possible so that's also a nice thing that we're able to take turns so sometimes she's doing one and I'm doing the next one and sometimes we are both there and we set that up as an expectation on episode one so we knew that our audience will not be surprised on that so that worked out really great. Esther, I'm really curious about the fact that you, you know, you're, you're obviously, you know, very much in love with marketing and you love bringing yeah. all of this education <laughs> to your audience and it's working because your audience continues to grow. So they're telling you that they're hungry for it. But there are a lot of marketing podcasts out there. There's a lot of marketing information. What do you think that you are doing that makes you so distinct? Or what do you think that you're doing that is enabling this audience to come and find you over and over again? Yeah. Are you familiar with Jay Abraham's name? Yes. Yeah. So he is known as really literally the number one marketing expert in the world, or some people call him the $9 billion man, because <laughs> that is that is how much he added in extra business to, to his clients and customers over 30, 40 years of his career. And he has this uh, concept called the strategy of preeminence. And that means becoming a real trusted advisor for life for your clients and customers. And um, that's the philosophy that we're embracing here at Born to Influence as well, to have the kind of connection with our audience where they're looking for us for advice because we really truly bring to them people who are truly industry transformers, who have amazing experience and insight, and they're not just talking based on theory. So I find that that is a distinguishing factor to really look at the A 
players and superstars in their industry. Like, for example, I mentioned Jeff Moore a little while ago, and you know, he's in the seafood business. So maybe most marketers wouldn't necessarily know him, especially not in the online marketing world, quote unquote. But finding someone who, who may seem like it's unrelated to your topic, but they're so good at what they do, that's the, the kind of thing that I want to have in the spirit of, strat- of embracing the strategy of preeminence. And over just over these past six months, um, you know, with a continually growing audience and people who's lo- who are loving this information, how has it affected your business? Because it really, I mean, you still have your consulting firm. You're still helping people out with their marketing. How has it really truly affected you? Well, I started getting requests for launching podcasts and doing more content marketing, which is interesting. <laughs> so I picked up a few clients on that, you know, helping people launch their shows and giving strategic advice on how to market it, as well as actually doing content marketing as a done-for-you service for certain companies. What has been one of the most surprising things that's happened to you since you launched your podcast? I realized that it's it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of knew that, you know, when you're doing a daily show Monday to Saturday, it's not going to be just a part-time little thing, but it really is a lot of organization and logistics that go on behind the scenes. So it sounds like it's only 30 minutes per day to organize that and to get all the posts and all the marketing around it. It's pretty much like a full-time job. So that's, I can't say it was really a surprise, but you know, when you're in the midst of it, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it sounds, just keep going. It sounds so good and so sexy up front. And then you're like, oh my gosh, okay, cool. There's all these little details behind the scenes. Right. And so what, what really helped with that though, is to create these processes ahead of time. And we try to just walk through it, baby steps, like really, what do you do now? You record a show. Okay. Now you have to download it. Now you create a backup copy. Now you edit it. Now you tag it. Now you upload it. Now you create the show notes for it. Like all those things they were in a process and then as we were actually doing the first few episodes then we tweaked it and we learned what is the most and and the way we started doing this we met literally before we ever recorded the very first episode was just what if we were able to hand it over the whole thing to a VA to a virtual assistant what would they have to do so that they know exactly they can just read this we don't even have to explain it and it would be the most optimum way of going step by step rather than having a lot of clicking again and repeat, you know, just think of like literally think of what is the fastest way and the most efficient way of actually getting it done. So far, what has been one of your favorite parts of being a podcaster? I like the perks. (laughs) (laughs) I, I like that I really get to connect with super, super high level players. And so I have my little secret things here. I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we chatted over the phone for example, creating a special Facebook group. We have one for our audience, but then we, I also have one especially for the guests of the show. And that's something where, of course, you want to build that relationship with people and you're helping them promote their next book or whatever event that they're doing. But beyond that, it's sometimes tricky because they are getting a lot of demand on their time. We're talking about seven, multiple seven, eight-figure business owners. So, you know, they're being bugged by emails all the time. So I knew from the beginning that if I were just to keep in touch with them every once in a while by sending an email, that will work to a certain extent, but not necessarily develop the kind of report that I would like to have 
long term. So I created this special group on Facebook where I always invite them after we do the interview, depending on how well it went, you know, and what was our report. I might do it sometime later down the line, but I always try to add value to them. At the same time, we are creating this community that is completely high level players. It's, it's been really fun. And Esther, I really want to bring this conversation to a close by asking you, what is your vision for your Born to Influence podcast? I would like to have a show that people just love so much that they can't live without. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit difficult to quantify it. And then what does that mean exactly? I know that when I'm getting emails and Facebook messages to say that literally it became part of my daily routine to listen to the show that's something very, very satisfying. So I'm looking to build a large, sizable audience where every single member is like that. It just simply becomes their daily routine because it makes a difference not just for their business, but for their clients as well. So it has that ripple effect. Well, Esther, I really want to thank you so much for being on the show today. If you guys want to know more about Esther's show, you can find it on iTunes, Born to Influence. You can also go to her website, borntoinfluence.com, and uh, just go check her out. She's got a great show. So, Esther, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for representing podcasters and all the wonderful women in podcasting. I truly appreciate it. You gave us so many good takeaways for anyone out there who is interested in podcasting or is currently podcasting and wants to know how to tweak things and do things just a little bit better. So thank you so much. Thank you. You can get show notes for today's show and learn more about Esther at bizwomenrock.com forward slash 61. The biggest takeaway that I got from that conversation with Esther was um, how she does the cold email technique, which I thought was very, very cool. Um, you know, so you can apply that whether you're actually trying to get people on your podcast or perhaps you have a blog that you want to get to interview people for or whether you just want to connect with some folks who, you know, are sort of big names out there. I thought her technique was wonderful, very effective and very, um, very authentic. So I really love that. Thanks so much for listening today. I will see you on the next episode. Oh, 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 oh,